Hi, there we go. I was pushing buttons and doing all kinds of things that has to be done in order to make this show go. And just a couple quick things. Thank you to Perry. I know you're doing this under duress today because of all the baseball news we've just been covering and trades and all that good stuff. And, and to, of course, now these people call right when I'm trying to do the show. Just a quick note that beginning in one or two weeks, I'm not sure how quick it's going to begin, nothing will change about uh, about book talk, but there will be commercials or spots. We are obligated now to do it. If we don't, we have to pay 175 more dollars a month. So there's trade-offs for everything. Um, we do have this to do that. Not worth paying 175 dollars a month to keep alive, man. Let's run well, the spot. I mean, no. I mean, I understand people are upset, and this, ah, well, they'll get over it. They'll get over it, but they in, will get over it. In turn, real quickly, we are switching to our own iPhone app, Android app, and we're zooming up. To, we're going to iHeartRadio, and we'll be in the top tier of TuneIn. So there are benefits. But you also have to pay the price. So that's you just the way it. things happen. So Absolutely. it's not done intentionally. But, you know, anytime you're paying $500 a month for streaming, we would have never thought about that. Right, Nolan? No, there was, that's just unheard of. Right. But you remember you remember days when you, you and I were on the air and we'd get five and six listeners and seven and call that a really good experience. <laughs> <laughs> Two is more like it. You Sometimes, know I mean? yeah. Yeah. Three. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad right. to get them. So, this Book Talk is- people, keep on coming in. And yeah. thank you. And I'll shut up and thank the producer, Perry, and turn it over to Nolan. <clears throat> well, good afternoon, everyone. And uh, I have no problem running spots during this program. It's, my train of thought gets interrupted all the time anyway, so it'll feel like home. <clears throat> I'm still really sick, and I apologize for lowering the quality of the broadcast as a result of that. And I uh, debated whether to, to be here, but I thought it's better to be here and make an effort than to uh, not be. So if you can forgive my uh, croaky, crotchety, coughing nonsense, I will do my best to help out here tonight. As long as you feel like it, we want you here, because then I would have to find well, someone else to talk to. This is one of my favorite hours of the week, and I... So I missing it would be the lowest of the low priorities for me. So, but I, I apologize for clearly a non-broadcast quality sound here. I uh, we've got to find a solution to this, but so far we have not. So, all right. Um, I am I had a little crisis at work this afternoon, so I am less prepared than I ought to be. I should never tell you that. I should just fake it and then have you blown away at the end when I admit that I'm not quite there. However, it's better to be honest with people, I think. That said, we will press forward and uh, talk about some books. Do you mind if I go first? No, not at all. All right, I'll, I'll go first. This There's a growing trend, it appears, in the United States, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> among readers, there's a growing trend in the last year and a half or so toward true crime books. And publishing is a funny animal. You know, it goes through these weird cycles and, and dribs and drabs of things. Years ago, we couldn't get enough Holocaust books in World War II. And they were just, they just, every bookshelf on earth was sagging under the weight 
of World War II historical fiction and Holocaust historical fiction and all that stuff, well, that seems to be fading to some degree. <clears throat> and one of the things that appears to be replacing it is, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> one of the things that appears to be replacing it is true crime. Americans apparently are becoming increasingly fascinated by true crime. And um, with that in mind, I want to tip of the hat to, uh, uh, figuratively speaking, to a true crime book that I absolutely was, was stunned by and fascinated with. I ought to have known more about this story than I did. I was 16 when it happened. The book is called Evil Among Us, The Texas Mormon Missionary Murders. The author is Ken Driggs, and he spells his last name D-R-I-G-G-S. Um, <clears throat> Ken is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it would appear, having held some jobs at BYU and places like that, which kind of a, can be a dead giveaway. In any case, if you want to order this from Bard, your, your number, your order number is DBC18113. <clears throat> Once again, DBC 18113. And uh, <clears throat> pardon my rudeness. <clears throat> Here's the setup. On October 28, 1974, two young men, one from California, one from Utah, were serving two-year missions for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Texas and in small town to which they had been assigned. They were working with a gentleman who was investigating the faith and whom they thought needed to be fellowshipped. In other words, they, they wanted to be his friend. Even if he never signed on, never became a member, he was kind of an odd duck, and they were a little nervous to be around him. <clears throat> but they were young 19-year-old boys who were fascinated by his stories of life in the CIA and military uh, close calls in the Korean War and <clears throat> any number of other swashbuckling things that he uh, could, could uh, tell them about. On October 28th of that year, 1974, they had an appointment with him. That was, I believe, a Monday. <clears throat> Sorry. He was to, um, uh, he had invited them to the house for a venison dinner. They came. They were a little reluctant to go. One of the two young missionaries, the older of the two, the one who had been out in the field longest, was really concerned about dealing with this guy. He, he got ever stranger every time they dealt with him. But they decided they better keep the appointment because, after all, he was investigating the faith, and they didn't want to let the guy down. They were never heard from again. And uh, on November 4th, um, they didn't show up at the church's usual meetings. People began to ask questions. Where are the two young elders, as they, they referred to themselves? The uh, Eventually, investigations happened. Members of the church unite from throughout that region and help do a search party thing for those bodies. And, um, and eventually, they find a taxidermy band saw owned by a friend of this killer. His name was Gleason, Robert Gleason. And as the local authorities began to look into that bandsaw, they saw what appeared to be human hair and uh, blood. And they had the contents of the saw analyzed, and sure enough, the hair matched the that of the, the, the two young Mormon elders. And um, the blood was, in fact, human blood. Apparently what had happened is this guy had murdered those two young men, had uh, butchered the body, literally deboned the bodies and, and butchered them, 
and buried them in various and sundry locations. And then the heads, he literally cut to pieces with a bandsaw. This is a grisly, mondo grisly book. It's well narrated. It's a Texas library volunteer project, but the volunteer library, uh, I'm sorry, the volunteer narrator is absolutely excellent. He's, he's on par with any of the audible or NLS stable uh, narrators you can find. As you read it, this book farther, you delve into Gleason's, the killer's mental state, and you become horrified by what you learn. That so many signals were sent over the years. He assaulted a woman in Buffalo, New York, nearly killed her back in the early 70s. He went to Denmark or Sweden, found a wife, and um, nearly beat her to death uh, before the Swedes expelled him back to the United States. There are all, all kinds of trails and uh, uh, clues that this guy was not normal, not well. He spent a few days in a mental institution in Buffalo, New York, but that was essentially the extent of it. And now you have the story of these two 19-year-old. One was 20. He just turned 20 um, the month earlier. So one 20 and one was 19, these young men, and their grieving parents uh, dealing with the grisly uh, after effects of the murder of their two sons. This moves fairly quickly. It's an 11-hour book. Um, I read it, obviously, because of my connection to that church, and so it had some additional drawing power for me. But I think you, I think it will, it will draw anyone into it who gives it a shot if you like true crime. And a lot of people are going that direction in the country, as I said earlier. So that DB18, DBC18113, <laughs> Evil Among Us, The Texas Mormon Missionary Murders by Ken Driggs, D-R-I-G-G-S. <clears throat> Good, good. Gosh, that's scary to think that somebody could do that to somebody. That's the thing about true crime. I mean, you read all kinds of mysteries and horrible things happen, but boy, it puts a different slant on it when you that's know it's why real. I don't normally like the genre because because it's real and I can't change the ending and I can't build a little fence around these characters and say, no matter how bad things are for you, you're not real. So I can read about you and, and it's going to be okay. Yeah, true crime stuff really disturbs me, and I can't imagine why people love it so much, but boy, they do. And uh, oh, well, look how popular it is on like forensic files and all right. that stuff on yes. TV. I mean, yes, that's brilliant, that's great insight, and you're absolutely right. It's uh, it's just everywhere. <laughs> podcast, my goodness, if you type the, the words true crime into your podcast app of choice and do a search on them, you, you're going to get just untold numbers and uh, oh, bunches of stuff. I was 16, as I said, when this happened. And naturally, it was going to make big news where I grew up because I grew up in a place called uh, Ogden, Utah, which is about 40 miles north of Salt Lake City. So naturally, it was going to be in the in the press. And um, I just I must have been an incredibly self-absorbed brat of a teenager because I don't have a lot of memory of that story. And I'm reading it now as though I've never heard of it in my life. And it, boy, it's a real eye opener. It was a, it's not badly written. And I said, as I said, the narrator is good. He, they had to take this from open reel tape. And so a Texas library recording engineer actually comes onto the recording at the beginning and he apologizes for the occasional dips in quality of, of the, uh, the recording. And he explained why that it's coming off of open reel tapes and they were old and, and they did the best they could, and he apologized. Uh, I thought that was a nice touch. It enabled me to disregard the quality issues when they occurred, and that's never a bad thing. And so um, 
Yeah, yeah, I that's that's probably the most engaging book of the week that I've read. So <clears throat> that's good. The one that I wanted to talk about is called um, "Now That You Mention It," and it's by Kristen Higgins, Kristen with a K. And uh, and this book is there's lots of humor in it. It's uh, uh, Bard, they call it like family relations family relate uh, relationships but this doctor she's a very successful doctor in boston and nora stewart is her name and she uh, is in a car accident and you know and she was injured in a car accident and as part of her uh, healing process to give herself time to heal she leaves boston and goes back to scupper maine where she's from and tries to rekindle and repair relationships that she had with people when she was younger and it's all about her her experiences and she has a boyfriend in boston that she's on the outs with the, with and he keeps trying to get back with her and and there's some funny scenes in this book. She, she, her mother is very, very hard and, and hard for her to reach, but she has this stupid parakeet that she just loves and she lets it fly around all over the place. And she's had this bird for years. And so Nora goes to her house for dinner. They have a dinner party and she is helping her mom and she gets some, puts something in the, reaches in the oven to take something out for her and the bird flies into the oven and then so she she smells the feathers and everything and she's going oh how am i going to tell my mom and she takes tries to sneak it out and bury it in the yard and do all this stuff and but it, it was really a good book and it's um i i enjoyed it there were some humorous moments in it and the narrator is was very good. I mean, she made you feel like you were in Maine when she read the characters from the the people in Maine, and and it, it was different than most things that I've read. And once again, it and Kristen Higgins has several uh, romance books on Bard, and it's it's now that you mention it, and it's DB eight nine nine six zero. Looks like we got uh, Deborah Outland Perry. I don't. We do, Deborah. Um, let me hit her button here. There you go. Now you should be able to unmute. Yeah. Now. There, there she is. Go ahead. I just wanted to say that I've read that book too, and I thought it was outstandingly good. I love that scene that you're talking about. <laughs> it was so funny. And there are other scenes like that. There's some really interesting characters in it, including. Um, this woman's niece who oh, is just yeah. <laughs> the ultimate teenager um and then well it's just and there's a lot of really good um i just thought that the whole book the characters in it were very interesting every last one of them and some, some and it's almost maybe got a little bit of suspense in it uh, too which makes i think a romance a little bit more um meaty I thought it was really good. That was the first book I'd ever read of hers, and I would definitely plan on going back to get more. I think I've read some others of hers, but I can't think what they are. But, yeah, that's that's definitely one of the best that I've read of hers. I've read Thanks that. for reminding me of it. Yeah. And I thought the narrator was so good in that book. She yes, she did an excellent job. Indeed. Very good book. 
Gil, come on, come on in, and uh, you should be able to unmute now. Okay, I think I'm unmuted. You're good. Um, I don't have a lot to add. Uh, I I read this book about three years ago, and uh, uh, I I just wanted to mention that Chris Higg is one of those authors that as soon as the book comes available on Bard, I go get it and read it. Uh, I think I have at this point read everything by Kristen Higgins that's available on Bard. She's that good of an author. This is the humor and, and how well written the books are. And I just I really enjoy her book. That, that's, I just wanted to add that. Thank okay. you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. We are caught up with the hands unless there are some more. I actually have something else to say too. Okay. okay. Um, if you like if you like her there's another woman whose name is Jennifer Cruzy, who has also written some very good romances that are just, they're funny. And there's just, I'm reading one right now that there's just so much um, little raw things that are in it that are just fascinating details. Um, you might try something of hers. I can't, I, one I'm reading right now is called Bet Me, which is kind of a little fluffy, but it's still really good and I'm enjoying it. But I've, I've always thought her books were fun. Okay. Sherry is next. Sherry, go ahead. Well, I was going to talk a little about true crime. And I is it more popular now? I've been reading it for years. Um, I started reading Anne Rule a long time ago. And I think one of the best of hers was called Small Sacrifices, which is about Diane Downs, who murdered one of her children and tried to murder the other two all because a guy she wanted to date didn't like kids oh boy and what i like about true crime isn't the crime i don't want to get into the mind of the murderer but what i like is learning learning about the victims learning how law enforcement figures it out the courtroom and the, the final resolution of it I like all that. I tried reading one time a book about John Wayne Gacy and the author took the stance of really getting into his mind and it was a dirty, horrible, terrible place to be and I quit reading the book. But um, I do like Anne Rule. All her books are on bar and she did a lot of really good things. In the Diane Downs case, the prosecutor who ended up getting her convicted actually adopted her two remaining children afterward. Wow. So it did have a very happy ending. Great books, too. I love those, reading those books, and I binge read on them. I mean, they were just great. Yeah, she's really good. <laughs> mm -hmm. And she's not super dark because she doesn't focus as much on the mind of the criminal. I mean, they talk about the crime, of course, but it's more victim-focused. Ted Bundy was a good friend of hers, too. Yeah. Maybe. Weren't <laughs> they next door neighbors or something? Or didn't she go on a date with him? There's something that she you know, she about. I think she actually worked with him at a call center. If, yeah, a crisis suicide prevention Right, thing. right. That's and how I remember. He was a friend, had dinner, you know, at her house with her four children wow. and all of that. He lived yeah, in she a did neighborhood. write a book <laughs> a Stranger Beside Me. He yeah. lived in a neighborhood where my wife grew up and... My father-in-law used to take late the late night walk because he had sleep issues, and he would see Ted Bundy's that Volkswagen, that famous nasty Volkswagen he had, uh, parked in the neighborhood, and it always used to give me the chills to think how close my wife, who was a teenager in those years, uh, might have come to some, uh, who knows what kind of end. Uh, just, you never can tell. Those, that is the true crimes, though, those are really good books. In all honesty, they really are. Randy, um, it's your turn. 
I was just going to add my comments to Sherry's. Anne Rule is also my favorite. And I like like you, Sherry. I've read all her books on board. Small Sacrifices is my favorite, too. And they had an episode of 2020 on um, last year, I think it was. It was on a couple times, and then they had the updated version, I think. Or they either re-ran it last year, one of the two. But it was about the baby that Diane Down gave birth to in prison that was adopted. And it was interesting to see what, to get her perspective on things. And, interesting. Um, it was very interesting, and um, that, like I said, that was one of my favorites. And Anne Rule's books generally have all been my favorite. But I also like Joe McGinnis. He wrote Fatal Vision about the yeah. Um, what was that guy's um, name? Jeffrey. 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 Something. <laughs> the last name is escaping me right now. Uh, me too. Me too. Jeffrey Dahmer. Wife. No. No. <laughs> No, his wife Same kind of nastiness almost, but were the ones were his victims and yeah, his family. He killed his family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he wrote Blind Faith about the guy who shot his. He killed his wife or paid to have somebody kill his wife. And he his well, they were in Atlantic City. They were on their way home, and his two boys, three boys, were one of them. He asked one of them to lie for him and. That was another one that I liked. Oh, creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's bring on Gil, and then Donna, you're next, and then Betty, you're up after her. So, Gil, go ahead. Donna, you're next, and then Betty. Uh, I wanted to uh, uh, second the recommendation, or third <laughs> recommendation for Anne Rule books. I, I really uh, enjoyed reading all of her books, and... Uh, I think there's still a few of her collections that I haven't read, but I've read all the full length True Crime by her. And uh, I, 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 my favorite, one of my favorites was the Small Act Cost. I was fascinated by that, that. And the ending of it, uh, where the attorney, whatever, the DA, ends up uh, adopting the children. That, that was a very nice ending to that book. And, and I, I enjoyed The Stranger Beside Me, too, about Ted Dunn. I've always read a lot of true crime, read all of it in real right now. In fact, I'm in the process of reading a book by Greg Olson. And uh, I think it's a, called The Twisted Fate. And it's about trying to destroy the church, basically. And uh, not all that deep into it uh, to share on it very much. But uh, uh, he is another one of my uh, favorite uh, true crime authors. Right? As well as the yeah. as well as rule. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. Donna, your turn. Hey, um, I um, recently read a book for a book club. And in all honesty, I didn't think I was going to like it, but it really was good. Um, it was called Secret Obsession, and it's by Kimberla Lawson Roby. And it is on Bard. It's on um, audio and Braille. And it's not a very long book. Um, it's about this girl that was really, she had a lot of resentment against her sister, but I think her, her anger was misdirected because it was her mother who hated her. Yeah, and notification. Oh, you read that? Interesting. 
And, well, she decided to get back at her sister by stealing her husband. Wow. So she staged a rape, and then her sister wanted her to come and stay there, which was her plan, stay at their house. And she used that to her advantage to um, access her sister's computer and make it look like her sister was having an affair. And in, she ended up really causing some problems there. And I, I won't really, you know, go into um, everything that happened. But she um, did finally learn what was going on with, with her mother and why her mother hated her. Um, and, and, you know, it really was a, it was a good book. And, and I, I really didn't like the woman but I really did feel sorry for her once I, I learned, you know, because you find things out. But she, I know there was a guy she was involved with and, and he helped her out financially and she dumped him. And I felt sorry for him. He was very angry and um, he let her sister, he kind of figured out some things and he contacted her sister. Um, but anyway, I, it, it really was, it was good. It was, I thought, somewhat exciting, actually. So the Excellent. number, if you read it on audio, is DB77251. In Braille, it's BR19531. I think on audio, it's about four and a half hours, two volumes in Braille. Very cool. Thank you. Betty, you're up next. I have a question for no one about sure. Goodreads. Okay, I'll help if I can. Okay, if you put books on your shelves yep. because you like to read them, and then they start sending you these little uh, emails about a book you've got on your shelves is free. I have never registered for the free book right. because I'm assuming they're friends. Unfortunately, there's no way to get rid of that 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 peripheral junk, that garbage. Um, well, that's not true. That's not true. I've misspoke. <clears throat> On the Goodreads page, Goodreads page is a button called Settings, and one of those settings lets you determine how much mail Goodreads sends to you. So there is a way to get rid of it. I I didn't want you to feel hopeless. Um, I would have to actually go in there and, and look at it. It's, uh, I don't know if we have the time right this split minute, oh, but, no, I, don't, don't but I can, I have your email address and I will email you a couple of step-by-step -step little quickie tutorials on how to go alter that setting. If that will be of value to you. Not particularly. I know what I mean, you're talking about. You really have a, you really have a, the only two choices you have are to fix the setting or just ignore the stupid email and delete it. Yeah. Yeah. But the question is, are the books free books or are they Kindle books? I don't know that they're even accessible. If they're free, they might be if you use a Kindle uh, app on your phone or your computer. Yeah, I do. Okay. Well, they may be free in Kindle. Um, you may have to join the Kindle Unlimited program. That's oh, okay. like 10 bucks a month or something like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes Goodreads will send a notice that says, uh, author so-and-so is doing a book giveaway. Right. Those drive me crazy because almost they're, they're in print or something ridiculous. Um, so, yeah, the, the, the bottom line is that they probably would work if you use the Kindle app. Um are they truly, genuinely free? I don't really know. I've never investigated one of them. I I have to confess, I don't know. 
It's okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Okay. Hey, uh, Kathy is next. Hi, everybody. Good Hi. to be back. Uh, two books. The first one, uh, I think it was on DB Review a week or so ago, The Book of Mormon. Yippee. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So I downloaded that. It's a whole lot easier to read it than it is in the library, you know, the LDS library. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we're good. And then... Uh, I may I may be sorry, but I did download the Texas murder thing that you were talking oh, you're, about. <laughs> you're gonna like it. I mean, it's if, uh, if, if it doesn't creep you out, that's the, the well. The I, I you know if I start having bad dreams, then I'll just you'll you just know. feel terrified. So, so sorry for those parents. <laughs> they oh, sent those yeah, boys well, out there fully expecting oh, yeah. you to come home in two years. Well, yeah, we and they never four, come back again. It's got yeah, oh, that's got to be really disruptive. Four four young people in our in our local ward that are serving and i write to every one of them on monday right exactly yeah so and you know it's like a the whole effort where the congregation gets behind these people yeah, they write their very much a report. community effort yep oh and then and, and so, yeah it's it's really sad and and these young men are portrayed very sympathetically they're clearly Good. they they write home every week they're the kind of kids oh, yeah. who are you know solid and well um, nowadays they get to call home when yes, it's to, really. very different from the 70s. It used to just trust be me. Christmas and Mother's Day. Yeah, so. trust me. That's, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you remember that. I do. In fact, in in my years in the Carolinas and Georgia, we weren't oh, even yeah. allowed to, to call home then. So it oh, was no. a no-phone oh. call mission. Yeah. So Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> you know, it is. Very different is. day. Yeah. <laughs> now those guys can Skype or, or FaceTime uh, yeah. home, things of that nature as they need to. and. So it's, it's well, good. It's good it's because better. then the parent can be yeah, more, really, better. really more involved in, in what they're doing. Yeah, it's it's a better better system these days. Well, the, the book I I've been reading now, uh, I was introduced <laughs> on DB Review, is this Miss Amish Miss Amish Mystery Candy Shop. I I have it wrong. Candy Shop Mystery Book and is... Peanut Butter Something Peanut Butter Panic or Oh my. I, I started reading it, but I fell asleep. <laughs> it, happens. it happens. It's good, though. It's good. Yeah. It's, it's these people that stumble into solving a crime, and it's hysterical. <laughs> mm -hmm. These are uh, written by Amanda Flower. It's a whole yeah, series. Yeah, that's it, Flower. Uh -huh. And uh, she, is, uh, she lives here somewhere in central Ohio, I think. <clears throat> and oh, that makes sense. She has a whole, uh, well, there's at least six of them on, on Bard. And uh, yes, she, I downloaded all of them. Yeah, I started they, it, with Criminally Coco. Criminally Coco was a, the first book in that, the series. That was You're a two-hour right. book, and I'm like, I can do this. Yes, yeah. And I believe the narrator is Rebecca Mitchell, who is a commercial yeah. audio narrator, and she does a really nice job with those. Yeah, it brings to mind, although she writes a different kind of book, but she writes about the Amish Linda Castillo. Yes, it's Linda Castillo's Castillo's books are much darker. Oh yeah, but, but good. they are excellent. <laughs> they really are fantastic. Well, yes. nice talking again. Oh, thank you. Thank yeah, you. thanks for coming on board. We appreciate it. Yeah. And we're caught up with Han. All right. If my voice will hold out, I'm ready to do another review. If that's, uh, if that's acceptable. Very much so. I want to talk to you about first in very broad brushes and then we're going to get a little more narrowed down here the series by l uh sorry by robert crace and the detective's name is elvis cole and joe pike these are the two detectives 
It debuted in the late 80s, and these two wow. were Vietnam veterans. You may have almost certainly read pieces oh, of those of that I'm series. Let me get you. Oh, I'm going to get you. And we're going to need to mute there somebody are. there. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Do we know Don't who that's coming from? Oh, stop. I got you. We're going to need to mute somebody there. Do we know where that's coming from? Okay, thanks. Um... So I want to talk about the actually the second book in the series. The first, you don't need to read these in order to appreciate them. In my opinion, they're very loosely bound, very loosely confederated. The first, the second book in the series is called Stalking the Angel. That's S-T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Stalking the Angel. And that's Elvis Cole, number two. Again, the author is Robert Crace, C-R-A-I-S. And the order number is DB55482. Once again, DB55482. So Elvis Cole and his friend Joe have set up their own little detective agency. And um, Elvis is hanging out at the office one day and someone comes to the door and he lets them in. The callers are a really uh, attention Get, uh, attention uh, getting female uh, someone who apparently according to cole was was extremely easy to look at and a much up much more uptight uh, businessman turns out the, the young woman's name is jillian and she works for for um this businessman he is in trouble because someone has stolen a precious manuscript from his personal collection he collects japanese art and literature this manuscript is extremely important it's almost like a, a japanese bible kind of thing or even more venerated than that it's described as the heart and soul of japan well someone has stolen that book and and the owners who actually loaned it to this businessman are a little upset as you might imagine and uh they want cole to take case now he doesn't like the businessman and he's trying to hit on this young woman who is the is the guy's assistant as you might imagine he's not succeeding well with that because she's pretty buttoned down herself and uh ultimately however she persuades the her employer to hire elvis cole to help find this book as you dig into this, you get into a mess of dysfunctional family members, and the Japanese mafia plays a part in this book as well. It gets pretty gritty in a couple of spaces, not um, not horrific, not not so you just want to go throw up or something, but it's it's dark in a space or two. It's hugely funny. <clears throat> Pardon me. The dialogue between Elvis and whomever he's talking to is generally quite snappy and clever and you'll enjoy it immensely because um it, it's just really fast paced and very clever uh, kind of reminds me a little bit of the andy carpenter um series that that uh, david uh that, what's his name rosenfeld yeah yes yeah, that he writes and except andy is better at the dialogue andy carpenter is one of the most snarky sarcastic guys i've ever laughed at and uh, if, if he were real, I would want him to be a friend of mine. Uh, Elvis Cole is up there, though. He's pretty funny, pretty flippant, and um, it gets him in trouble a time or two. In any case, this I won't obviously disclose the end, but it's a, it's a fascinating, fun little mystery about this guy, this Elvis, trying to find this really valued and extremely important piece of Japanese art, uh, or this manuscript, rather. And uh, it's uh, it's it's got some tough, tough places in it. Uh, 
there's a there's a little bit of um, sexual molestation. The act isn't described, but it's referenced here. A young teenage girl having to deal with a uh, her dad, who is the businessman that hired Cole. Or, yeah, Elvis Cole. So it's in there referenced. It's not you don't get a wide open door to that to the, those scenes. Thank goodness. And uh, the question arises at some point in the book as to whether she made it up. So if you read it, you'll have to figure that out. Again, it's called Stalking the Angel, and that's Elvis Cole, book two, DB five five four eight two. Any hands? We have no hands. All right. <laughs> Do you have anything else? Otherwise, I can go on. Oh, now we have a hand. Oh, Let's go to Randy. Um, I just had to go look it up. It was driving me crazy. But the doctor in Fatal Vision was Jeffrey McDonald. The yes, one that... yes. <laughs> Thank you. Jeffrey so, McDonald. Yes. That's all I was going to say. Oh, well, that helps me. Nuts, so I had to go look it up. This way I won't wake up at three in the morning and stumble <laughs> onto it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's very good. I thought if we don't have anyone else that. Well, now we do. Oh, Let's yeah. go to Deborah. Yeah. Hi. Um. I've read a couple of the Elvis Coles, and I like them too. Yeah, they're but fun. I don't think I've read that one. Um, and that reminded me, and I just went and put that on my wish list. Mm -hmm. um, but I also wanted to mention that I had read not the Bad Axe County book that you posted mm -hmm. a review of the other day, mm -hmm. but the one before that, which is called Dead Men, Dead Man Dancing. Yes. And actually, I read that one, and then the one after it, the one that you did the review mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. and. I like those books a lot. Um, They're good, yeah. However, reading them back to back was a bad idea. Yeah, that's a mistake, isn't because it? Because they're very intense. Mm -hmm. um, yep. But and you don't yeah, want to burn but, out on the series. That's the scary. No. Part. Yeah. Well, and and I have to say that even though the fourth one is not on board, and I don't know if it's coming or not because it was like published last Years year. Years ago. Yeah. 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 Well, it was twenty two. Was when it was published. Oh, okay. okay. I just looked it up. Okay. And sorry. And I put it on, I bought it on Audible because I'm mm -hmm. kind of running out of time for my credits. Right. <laughs> but but um, I, I thought that the characters in that are always so interesting. And that one, Dead Man Dancing, I liked really well. I thought it was a very good book. Um, it was about a bunch of people who were like rabid, um, I don't know, people that like hated everybody, but the people that were like them. And, but there were so many good characters that were appealing and also that you wanted to root for and you had absolutely no idea where they were going to make it to the end book and that I, that's remarkably suspenseful and fascinating too i like there's several other authors that i could compare them to but i can't think what they are at the moment but yeah. that's i highly recommend that book or that series in that's general. a good I series like bad x the bad x county is the first one in the not in the series and it's really good too it's excellent and the, i believe the guy is an irishman who actually put that together if i read correctly the, the i think you're right about I, that yeah which uh -huh. surprises me a little because he gets so much right in terms of the, the I don't know, the atmosphere of the. Yeah, that's true. And I'm not really familiar, familiar with that part of the country. Right. But I feel like I know about it. Now. It does. Yeah, that you do feel mm -hmm. like you uh -huh, become part of it. Yeah. 
So that's right, well, thank the you. best thing that I've read. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Pierre is next. Come on in, Pierre. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've, true crime is just not my thing. I, I, I've tried, I've read one book many, many, many years ago called In Cold Blood. Oh, yes. And uh, I think that's the only true crime book I ever read. Oh, but, but it's the grandfather of them all. It's the, they, they, they kind of look at it as the, the fountainhead, the one that began right. the whole genre. Right. That's Truman Capote. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were talking about Andy Carpenter. Oh, my God. I, I recommend that series to anybody. <laughs> that is the funniest guy. And uh, in his last book, you know, he's got this uh, little bulldog that's so slow <laughs> that, that, that he can't get him to do anything. He, he made this statement. You know, one of these days I'm going to take him for his walk and I have to call Triple A to come tow him in. <laughs> yeah. But I recommend that series to anyone. Oh, it's a great series. You're right. I haven't gotten very far in it. I know I read the first one and he kind of reminded me of Columbia, Columbo a little yes, bit. A little bit. Yeah. But he's much funnier. Oh, oh but, absolutely. But, but yeah. David Rosenfeld, he has other series too and they're all very good yeah the guy's a great writer mm-hmm. he is fantastic yeah, he is all right well, thank you it always amazes me how a writer can can do that and have multiple series that are good i can't even command i can't even imagine where you get the the imagination to do those things i i wish i had it it would be so much fun and i'm i don't know i used to make up stupid stories for my kids when they were little and they loved them but maybe that's because they figured if they said that, that I would feed them. I don't, I'm not sure what the connection is. Um, but those were incredibly imaginative back in the eighties and early nineties. And that's just, it's, it's all gone. It's, it's so sad when I think about, so I agree with you. It's sort of amazing how these guys can juggle multiple series and have the imagination to do it well in a lot of cases. Oh yeah. I mean, and completely different characters and, and even like, um oh, well joanna joanna brady yeah jay like judith jenkins i mean she's got mm-hmm. three yeah that are that are mysteries in their detectives but they're so different that's correct that's a huge piece yes and then she has the ability to bring them together sometimes like she wrote a few with um beaumont and mm-hmm. joanna brady together and it's mm-hmm. like we have other hands, or are we? We do not. We're caught up at this point. Okay. Well, I can give you a quick review if that's acceptable. That's uh, fine. We still have a few minutes. I read and have only a uh, lukewarm enthusiasm for Any Sign of Life by Ray Carson, and that's R-A-E Carson. The author lives here in Columbus somewhere, I believe. Um, I think I work with a relative of hers. I can't prove it because the woman won't admit it outright, but she knows a great <laughs> deal about her and uh, that her last name is also Carson. So I, I think there may be a connection. Doesn't matter. Um, the Any Sign of Life is the title and the order number is DB105815. And again, the author is Ray, R-A-E, Carson, and that's conventionally spelled C-A-R-S-O-N. I know most of us are pretty pandemicked out, if that's a verb, I just made it one, I guess. And so sometimes we don't want to read books about uh, contagions and viruses and things like that. I wasn't sure what this was about. I've, I downloaded it uh, what, when? Uh, sometime in 2022. And uh, 
and just got around to it recently. Here's the quick story, the setup. Paige Miller is a young teenage woman who stands about 6'3", has done extremely well as a female basketball player in the state of Ohio. She is fictional, by the way. This this is entirely fiction. And uh, she had dreams of going on into the WNBA and uh, having just basically a successful life. She's uh, very much an athlete, very much a kind of a warrior girl, uh, kind of young woman who powers through the hard stuff. And um, Paige wakes up one morning with an IV in her arm, and she knows she has been phenomenally sick, just absolutely gut-wrenching, mind-blowing sick. She's not sure what it was. She can't remember much about it other than the phenomenal headaches and throat soreness and uh, coughing and the horror of it all. As she finally gains the strength to wander around her house, she learns to her horror that her entire family has has died as a result of whatever this virus was that she survived. And uh, the reality is that Paige, as she ventures outside, begins to think maybe she's the only person left in the entire state of Ohio, maybe even more beyond that. There's no one, no one there. Whatever this plague is has wiped out the entire region. And she decides she needs to go try to find more people, a living human being somewhere. She's tuning the AM car radio in her dad's SUV and because um, there's enough battery and enough gas in it that she can start it and maybe drive it around the neighborhood to some degree. In any case, she's just tuning up and down the dial and stumbles into a, a signal from a city a couple hours away from her between Columbus and Cleveland. And it says, if you're not the only survivor, if you survived this, you are not alone. There are others of us, and we are in this city. And then the broadcaster gave some rather cryptic clues as to where they were, where they could be found. You'll know it when you see it, and, and it, it, it dealt with a rail. When you, look, when you find the rail, you'll know we're very close. Well, she had no idea what that was about, and uh, she realizes she can't stay in her, ha- her house. The smell of decay and death is just pervasive. Her Parents are both dead, and her uh, siblings are gone as well, and they're in their beds uh, in a state in state, various states of decay. So she leaves and decides she needs to find food, and in the process, she runs into another young man who apparently survived. He is a young black man who is slated to play uh, tight end, I think it is, for the uh, OSU uh, um, Buckeyes in the following fall. Well, of course, that's no longer possible. That team is, everything's gone. The two of them team up, not in a romantic way initially, at least, but they at least become friends and they do a variety of things in an attempt to get to this city near Columbus, wherein that radio station is to learn more about the survival, who's who else has survived and, and what else they're going to do from there. This is near future science fiction. It is um, um, not really romance. It's young adult in in its uh, in its target audience to some degree. The science fiction element is kind of cheesy, I thought, and uh, I like ap- apocalyptic books a lot. I think it's fascinating to see how other people survive things that uh, most of us wouldn't. And yet, this turned out to be a little. I'm I'm ambivalent because it's both cheesy and it's. It was a really captivating read. So if you can deal with the young adult 
silliness, and there's not a lot of it there, but there's enough that you'll notice, then uh, you're going to be able to handle this really well. The narrator is Amy Landon. She's a commercial audiobook narrator. Again, it's called Any Sign of Life. The author is Ray, R-A-E Carson. And uh, once again, the, the number is DB105815. Almost Another wraps it up, doesn't it? Did you say something, Jennifer? I said that sounds like another good book. It actually is. If if you can get past the young adult uh, goofiness, it, it'll work okay for you. So is it next week we discuss our read? I'm glad you brought that up. It is next week, and we will be looking at Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. I finished it yesterday, and um, I won't talk about it today because we're going to do next week. But, yeah, it's uh, it's in Braille, and it's uh, in audio on Bard. You can pick your take your pick. I am reading it, and I I like the, the Ray Porter does a very good job. He was the one that read The Martian, and he did a good job with that one. What I love about the audio on this, I should just shut up. You should go ahead and, and just, you know, Perry, you could kick me out anytime you want. Um, <laughs> what I love is the way they they portray the speech of the alien. That is just pure magic. They've, I, I thought about what would you do if, if you used SoundForge or Pro Tools, and you had to create that sound. And I thought, wow, that would be a trick. That would be an interesting experience. So that's all I'm going to say. They're um, getting good at tricks with audio and things. I just, they really are. I just finished a book, and they had the kidnapper, and he was using one of those things to to disguise his voice. And I mean, it was believable. Yes, because the they they disguise it in the audio. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's phenomenal what they're doing. It's uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's going to be next week. And I always wonder how they how they get the people that sound like they're on the telephone in those audio books if they actually call somebody and record it that way or how they do that. No, it's it's done in the software, the audio software. Uh, our our friend John Holiday taught me how to do it in SoundForge years ago, and uh, it's you apply filters, certain sound filters to your audio, and you can create a telephone call that way. Well, he was good at that too. Oh, he was marvelous. He was good, and he would be very saddened with the kind of a demise of SoundForge, and we yeah. can talk about that some other time. But oh yeah, how things change. Oh yeah, I just I have all of his tutorials that he ever gave me on how to do things in SoundForge, and. Uh, he was phenomenal at the program. Taught me how to bend sound and, and change pitches and oh gosh. Yeah. It's it was those were amazing days. <laughs> I could tell John holiday stories all day long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is he yeah. still in Kansas City or do we know what No, he's in California. Story? Oh, is he? Okay. Okay. He's in California. But okay. he was one whale of a guy. He came here he was, to Indiana a couple of times to visit. Yeah. So yep. yeah. Well, I guess we better get out of here at 6 o'clock. Let's do it. Have a good week, all. Hey, everybody, and thank you so much, Perry. Thanks for everything. Recording stopped.